You are listening to The Secrets of Middle-Earth on sqpn.com. The battle for Middle-Earth is about to begin. Where do you travel to find Middle-Earth? How can you fight the shadows of Angmar? created the dwarves. I thought I'd die fighting side by side with an elf. Why are elves immortal? You will linger on in darkness and in doubt. It's nightfall in winter that comes without a star. What is the ultimate evil of Sauron? Join me on a quest for answers through the books, the movies, and the games that tell us the legendary adventures of hobbits, dwarves, men, and elves in Tolkien's Middle-earth. Hello and welcome back to Middle-earth in the middle of the night, or actually, it's uh, it's a little later than in the middle of the night. It's, it's already starting to get dawn. I'm here uh, just like last time with uh, Laura and Inge, joining me here in uh, uh, well in the vicinity of Talbrunnen. We're in the Trollshaws, and uh, today we're going to talk about that sky above us, all those stars and the moon, and soon the sun, hopefully, if it's going to be a, a nice day here in Middle Earth. And uh, well, actually, there's a lot that we can talk about today. Uh, when it comes to the cosmology of Tolkien. And, um, well, I'm, I'm looking at the sky right now. I see lots and lots of stars. Sometimes it's, it's cloudy or half cloudy and you don't see anything, but uh, it is a very clear night right now. There is a, a slight breeze in the air. Down below here, I can see the water of the, uh, of the river. And uh, today we're going to ride to the region of... Um, now, how do I pronounce this correctly? Eregion? Eregion. Eregion. I really need to refresh my, uh, uh, my vocabulary, my Middle-earth vocabulary. But um, let's talk about the first obvious thing that we see in the sky. Uh, uh, of course, this, th these gazillion stars. Now... Um, just refresh my memory, are the skies above Middle-earth the same skies as we have in our in our real life uh, on here on Earth? Is it the same sky? Well, uh, well, this is Laura and uh, that's that's debatable. It's never it's never clear, but there are some constellations that are the same that that Tolkien specifically mentions. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them we yeah, can we see oh. a few? Uh, from yeah, where I was going to say, one of them we can see from here. If you look uh, to the north, you can see what looks like our Big Dipper. Right. And that and that in Tolkien is um, the, the Valles Circa, the seven stars, um, or the um, the Great Sickle, mm -hmm. it's also called, or the Great Plow. There's, 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 there's several names for it. Um, so that's one of them. Also, um, I've, I've forgotten. Inga knows the name of uh, what looks like Orion in our uh, in our sky, the the Great Hunter. Um, that is also a constellation that Tolkien specifically names too. So, and yeah. the Pleiades is is another is another group of stars that's that we can also see cool. that's in our skies. I don't think we could see Orion right now because that would be no, a constellation at the beginning of the night, right? No, it's 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 there, uh, but it's obscured by some uh, mountains. So oh, if you go okay. south and we, we can find a clear patch of uh, Orion, you yeah. can see the, the upper part of Orion and a, a little bit to the upper right hand, we can see the uh, Pleiades. Okay, well, that would be um, the Rem Remurath. That's what they call in, uh, in Middle Earth. Okay, let, let's uh, move around this uh, uh, area a little bit, so perhaps we can get a better view because there are indeed some uh, some rocky mountains that are obstructing our view. Although I don't think this is getting any better because <laughs> the, the road is is going down and downhill, and we are now uh, riding through. Uh, a small area in between these two rocky walls in the direction of 
Um, er, now I have to say it again. Eregian. Eregian. Just think of yeah, a hard G. Eregian. Riding to a small settlement called Gwingris. Is okay. that correctly pronounced? Uh, Gwingris, yes. Gwingris. Yeah. I always think of a uh, Reggiano cheese, which is not exactly said the same, but sort <laughs> well, of we, like. In, in this Reggiano. part of Middle Earth, we don't have that kind of cheese, so that doesn't help me really. No. <laughs> <laughs> But um, there is another object in the sky next to these constellations that we can talk about a little bit more, and that is the moon. A uh, full moon today, and it's almost gone because it's uh, we're really uh, dawn is approaching very quickly, and so soon the skies are going to be lit by this other big object, uh, the sun. Um, but the moon, and both the moon and the sun have a very interesting uh, backstory in in the. Uh, legendarium of uh, of Tolkien, uh, because it's it's actually a v there's a very old story behind it. Have you have you read upon uh, read up on on that that backstory? Because I uh, thought it was pretty cool. Yes, actually, it's in the Silmarillion. Um, there's a whole chapter on of the sun and the moon in the Silmarillion, and uh, the story goes that uh, after the the two trees that were the original light. Middle-earth were destroyed by mm -hmm. uh, by Melkor the Valar set out set the Sun and the moon out so uh, so the Sun is actually a, a, a female Maiar and she you know rises rises every day it, it sort of reminds me of some of the, the Greek myths of the Sun where she gets up every day and then traverses across the sky and ends up in the in the west and then the moon the moon is enamored of the sun he loves her but she doesn't really like him back so he kind of chases her around a little bit so it, it's uh it, it's interesting but um yeah there, there's a there's a couple pages on it in in the silmarillion i actually have and, read uh, a, a slightly different version and uh, apparently from from what i've uh found out is that there were different versions of this whole creation story and the creation yes. of the heavens um, and in one of them which is the one that, that is currently part of the Silmarillion uh, it was the, the the more ancient version of this cosmology um, Tolkien kind of uh, thought of the world as fl as being flat and surrounded by a sea um, yes. and in a later version that he never was able to finish uh, he kind of rewrote the story, and uh, and and then he he his his point of departure is is around Earth, um, and so yes. from from what I saw that there are also slightly different versions of this whole backstory of the moon and the sun. Uh, what what seems to be yes. common to all these stories is that originally, uh, at the beginning of the creation of the universe. Uh, there, there, the the sun and the moon were not there yet, and indeed you had these, uh, well, these lights, and then um, I think those lights were destroyed by uh, by Morgoth. Yes. And that at that moment, um, the uh, the 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 um, uh, the spouse of the Valar who created the dwarves. Um, that was uh, Aule, right? Yvana, yes. Aule yeah, and, created the divorce. Yvana. And, and Yvana, Yvana yeah. was married to him, uh, or, or his spouse. I'm not sure if there's marriage in that kind of realm. But yes, they uh, were married. Well, she, they were married. Yes. She um, she planted seeds uh, that ultimately resulted in these two trees um, that provided yes. the light, and and it was I think uh, the the original two uh, lights. Kind of uh, gave the seeds their fertility and and energy and everything, and then at that point those original lights were destroyed by Morgoth, of course, uh, kind of symbolic mm -hmm. of all the darkness that he wanted to uh, uh, infuse in this beautiful creation, um, and she sang into being these two trees, and then um, the uh, tree. Now I have to. I looked up the names of these two trees. It's, it's, uh, there's a oh right here. Um, they they were called the two trees of Valinor, um, yeah. called Telperion and Laurelin. Um, yeah. And one tree was silver, and the other one was gold. And they brought 
the light as soon as as uh, Morgoth destroyed these original lights, the the trees actually took their place, right? Well, yes, actually there were there were these lamps, the lamps of the Valar. Morgoth destroyed those, and then uh, he also came uh, after the two trees. They planted the, the two trees after those lamps were destroyed. Mm -hmm. So so Yavanna planted the the trees and sang them into sang them into being but then after you know a long period of time Morgoth came and destroyed those two along yeah. with his spider ally Ungoliant who Ungoliant. was Shelob's Ungoliant yeah. isn't that a great name I'm sorry it's uh <laughs> It's Ungoliant. Ungoliant, right. Not Ungoliant. I always pronounce that wrong. It's Ungoliant. <laughs> and she was actually Shelob's mother. No way. So, really? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's wow. right. Wow. Really? Yep. And uh, so they came and destroyed the, the trees. Ungoliant uh, ate them. And, uh, Unbelievable. And, th and that's when the sun and the moon actually came into being. And, you know, Tolkien did rewrite it because he was unhappy with his with the whole flat earth idea. Yeah. You know, he, he thought towards the end of his life, he thought that that was just um, just didn't fit. He wanted it to be a little more realistic. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so that's why he that's why he wrote that, because he thought, well, the elves wouldn't think there was really a flat earth. Obviously, the earth's not flat. But in a way, so, I kind of like that discrepancy. Yeah, it's a, because nice, it's, it's a it, nice mythology. Well, and it's very um, similar to the way that human thought and human stories about the creation of earth have, have evolved over time. And, and the more we learned about the universe, the, the, the more realistic our our vision or our theory of the heavens became. And, and so I, I can totally live with there being two cosmologies, uh, kind of one based on this more m mythological approach of a flat earth and a sea around it, which later then evolves into this round earth cosmology. Um, and, and I can understand that, that uh, Christopher decided to go with the more complete version instead of with the uh, never finished uh, round earth uh, theory. But in a way, it, it, it really parallels our, our own human thinking about, uh, about the universe. Yeah, that was what struck me a lot because when I was reading about uh, cosmo uh, the cosmology, mm -hmm. it was so medieval um, because you had this whole in the, in the early Middle Ages you had this Ptolemaic universe with, the, with those sphere, spheres. Mm -hmm. So you had the outer sphere and then it, it, so it was kind of a ball, and inside yeah. that, that ball there was a ball. It's like the, this, this, those Russian puppets, you know. There's always right. a new one inside the other one. Right. There's or, or like onion, uh, like an onion, where you have the, all these different layers. Yeah. You have the outer layer, and I think that there's the realm of of the heavens. There's kind of the world of of God, which is, uh, or uh, Iluvatar, which is beyond time and space, and then there is this kind of nothingness. Which is the void, uh, and and yeah. I think that Morgoth was was cast in the yeah. void, basically yes. ceases to exist, and I think also later on, uh, Sauron, right? He too was was kind of thrown into the void. Well, uh, Sauron, um, yeah, it's not clear. Sauron just kind of dissipates. Well, just that, that's the same. Exist. That's but the same Morgoth, because the void, the void means there is there is nothing there. Well, actually, Morgoth still exists. Morgoth is in the void, but he is still there. Huh. And bringing in the cosmology a little bit, the uh, the other constellation we we're talking about, um, Orion, the swordman in the sky, uh, Metal Makar, I think is what it's called. Yeah, that is a symbol of the last battle, mm -hmm. when the when the the forces of good will fight the forces of evil, and that's when Morgoth will come back. Right. Okay. But right now he's kind of in, outside of right now of we the don't have to worry about visible <laughs> material realm. And uh, Roger in the chat room uh, makes a, makes a good uh, remark. It reminds us that uh, in in at least in, in in one of the versions that I've read, uh, the the Earth was flat, and then Numenor disappeared and sank into the ocean, and then the Valar changed the shape of the world from yes. being a flat world into a a, a, a globe, a sphere. Yeah, that was uh, to make yeah. sure that the uh, mortals could not reach um, uh, the blessed realm anymore. Because you, oh. before, the, when the earth was still flat, or Arda mm -hmm. was still flat, you could sail to it. And also, um, how was it? Last Numenorian king, king called? He uh, was. Uh, okay, Altharazon. Altharazon. He was, um, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, Sauron yeah, wanted, wanted to um, yeah, become, become king of man. And of course, he became jealous and he ordered Sauron to come over and to, uh, yeah, to uh, show obedience to him, which Sauron did. And uh, uh, he also yeah, uh, um, was wandering around at court and he poisoned the mind of, mind of this king. And he um, got this insane idea that uh, being mortal is, is uh, unfair, let's assail the blessed realm to claim immortality. And that's when um, the whole continent sank. Oh, really? Sank into the sea. Yes. And that yes. kind of was the beginning of, of this separation between yes. eternal yes. life. And so it's kind of a metaphor in a way of, uh, yes. of, the, orig of the story of the original sin and, and the, thereby mankind kind of losing their connection with the heavens or with eternal life. Could that, could that be intended? It sounds similar in a way. Yeah. Um, and also that's uh, when Numenor uh, fell... Um, that is when the earth became round yeah. but there is still this what what's called the straight path um, and that's what uh, Frodo and Gandalf take at the end of uh, the Lord of the Rings they're able to find the straight path that still leads to Valinor interesting but you need a yeah. special boat to can to be able to go there Norm normal boats cannot mm -hmm. go to there to there yeah, yeah. And that boat, the whole imagery of, of a boat on an ocean was was definitely part of that original cosmology of the flat earth mm -hmm. surrounded by the sea and, and only certain boats could, could venture on that sea and if you try to go on it and you didn't have the, the proper vehicle or the, the proper boat, you would sink. And uh, so Yeah, well, it's actually, it, I don't know if it's so much the boat, but you need to be permitted by the Valar. Right. They basically give you the grace to be able to do that. And all this is kind of part of the, 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 the separation that you find in a lot, a lot of mythologies and a lot of uh, stories in, in various religions. The, the, the difference between the, the realm, the material realm in which we live, this temporal world, and then the divine world or the heavens or whatever you want to call it. And, and so there's constantly this desire of, of man to go beyond the material world and to reach the other shore as in, in a certain way. And you see, in, in a lot of the stories, you see this struggle of trying to get to the other side because there, there is this aspiration for something that is beyond this material world. And also in the stories of Tolkien, uh, you find similar elements. And, and one of the uh, uh, details about this, this, the story of these two trees was very interesting. Um, it, it, on one of the websites that I uh, visited, there, there, um, they basically have this theory that the trees in the story of Tolkien, the cosmology of Tolkien, are just another version of what they call the Axis Mundi, which is a common mythological element where uh, in certain places, in certain objects, heaven and earth connect, kind of bringing the reality and but also the beauty and the order of of the of the heavens or of the divine realm to earth and so these two trees are actually the kind of the point of contact between the points of contact between the heavens and the earth and that is probably why morgoth was so keen on destroying them because he doesn't want that connection basically he wants to rule over over the material realm and uh and, and if you destroy, and this is just not just in the stories of Tolkien, but also in the various myths that exist that have similar objects or trees, um, if, if, though, if that, that point of connection, the Axis Mundi, is destroyed or, or damaged, then that, ultimate, that ultimately also creates a lot of chaos and, uh, and, and it, it removes the order, uh, the natural order of things in, uh, on, on, in the material realm. And I thought it was very interesting to, because suddenly I realized that, that of, of course, in the, in the story of, of Genesis in the Bible, you've got a similar uh, There's story. There's also a tree there. You've got two trees there. You've got yeah. the, the tree of wisdom, uh, the tree of knowledge, and the tree of life. And, and both those trees are, are, quite, are, are quite fundamental in the, in, in the whole of creation. And it's something that is, you know, those trees are holy. You cannot touch them. You, you know, it's, there's kind of a, an extra rule around them because it's, they have to do with God and with God's life and with God's knowledge. 
and you cannot uh, uh, make that your own. You cannot steal that away, which is ultimately what happens. Uh, Adam and Eve eat from the, the tree of knowledge and, uh, and, and want to elevate them to the level of God, basically saying we, we don't need God anymore. And that's why they are cast out. So it's, uh, they too actually destroy this axis mundi. They don't respect the, dif- the, the difference between you know, what is material, what is created, and, and God himself. So anyway, lots and lots of symbolism in the cosmology of, uh, of Tolkien. Um, and it's just very cool to see that he integrated this, some of those very common mythological elements in, in his own mythology. Yes. One thing I forgot to mention is the two trees of Eleanor didn't actually light up Middle Earth. So when the elves uh, were born, mm-hmm. um, they were born under starlight. Oh, really? It was not until they reached Valinor that they ever saw the light of the trees. Interesting. Yeah. So Middle and are, Earth was are all those under elves starlight. not called the Eldar because of that? They're because called. They saw that? Uh, the elves that went over to um, went over to Valinor and then came back to Middle Earth. Actually, pretty soon after the trees were destroyed, were called the um, the Noldor. Oh, the Noldor. So, the Noldor. So that would be like Galadriel, and. Kyrdan, the shipwright. Um, the Eldar is just another name for elves. Right. Ah, okay. Yeah. But this explains but, all the imagery in the elvish art and culture and architecture. With the, there's just an abundance of stars in in everything that you see. If yes, you, if you travel yeah. to uh, to the elven locations in uh, in in, in Middle Earth, and almost on every flag or every uh, ornament that there are stars depicted yes and the same you see a little bit with man if you go for example to the to a really a man location you see the tree everywhere there's a white tree of uh, of gondor for example so the tree image in the, in, in, uh, the, the picture of the tree mm-hmm. and also that 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 connotation with a, with, with a lost something that was lost um hmm. is still also depicted in there right and um isn't it so that the moon was was uh, the, the last flower of silver from, from the white tree? Yes, that's it was, true. It yes. was put that's in a ve- in a vessel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, the the gold, the last gold uh, fruit from the tree, uh, from um, and I don't oh. remember which is which. Telperion. <laughs> I think Telperion was the gold one. Um, was the white that, one. So was, the white one. Yeah, Laurelin okay, is the, gold, uh, golden, is the one. golden one. Yes. So the last fruit from that tree before it died was was made into the sun, and the last fruit from um, from Telperion was made into the moon. So very very beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So where are uh, we currently? Uh, because I'm curious. So uh, we, we we traveled a little bit into uh, mm-hmm. uh, this 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 new area, and I don't think we've ever visited uh, this uh, uh, this area of, of Middle Earth. So it's uh, a region. A region, yeah. Um, otherwise known as Holland. So if you read the Lord of the Rings and they travel through Holland mm-hmm. before they get to the gates of Moria, this is Holland. So and this, this is, is east of the Trollshaws, or is it uh, south, kind of south, south, southeast, south, yeah. south, or, uh, or, 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 southeast, right, yeah. right, right. And I see, on, on on the map I see a few, well, not even cities, but just some ruins. There is a Mirabel, which seems to be the biggest one near Tam Mirden, Mirden. And I can see on the east, uh, the southeast, uh, there are the walls of Moria, uh, which is, of course, mm-hmm. the entrance to Moria. And uh, above that, north of that, the Red Horn Pass. And then in the center of the map, I see Echad, er, is that Eregian? Eregian. But this does not seem to be a very... Uh, uh, populated area it's mostly forests and yeah. uh and and we're, we're currently in a in an old settlement um there are some runes beautiful runes i don't know if these are elven runes they are elven runes this They're is very, the very land elegant. of the, Nol- the noldor so the noldor lived here before they were uh, defeated by sauron mm-hmm. and then they fled and then they established rivendell so they fled to that's a uh, Rivendell is a re- refuge. Oh, interesting! And I can see in the in the valley below uh, all sorts of uh, beautiful trees. Uh, most of them carry uh, red fruit, 
Um, and, uh, and it's just a very lovely landscape. Mm-hmm. But also quite, uh, quite deserted and not, not, not yeah. many settlements here. Because that all, it all happened in the Second Age, so many thousands of years ago okay. was, when the, was when the elves were here. And this is also the area where uh, the, the One Ring was created. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Uh, the uh, Ring Lure of uh, Eregion. And where did that take place? Do we, do we know where that ring was created? Was it somewhere no, in the no, mountains or? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where it was created. Um, but uh, Celebrimbor, who was a, who was an elf and the grandson of Feanor, who created the Silmarils, he was the one who got into creating these rings of power. Mm. And so he, you know, he created the seven for the dwarves and the nine for, for men and also the three for the elves. But Sauron came in and, and learned from him and then created the one ring. And that's and as soon as he put on the one ring, they knew that, that something was up. They knew that something was wrong. So uh, the elves took off their three rings because they, they were exposed to Sauron and uh, went to war and basically that that's when this area was deserted and and yeah they went up to rivendell they started rivendell but i'm a little so. bit confused well, i thought the the one ring was created in mount doom in the fires of mount doom or no am uh, i mistaken well oh. oh that's a good question it, i i'm not sure exactly where it was created but uh Celebrimbor was the one who showed him or helped him Make the rings of power. They didn't know it was Sauron at the time. Sauron was going around in disguise and, and fooled them all. Right. So, and I know Mount Doom is the only fire hot enough to melt it, but um, yeah, I can yeah, I can try and it's, look up. It's, it's created there, mm -hmm. but I can see how Sauron needed the knowledge or the skills to make it, and that's he needed to to learn the, the art from Celebrimbor. Hmm. Well, we can always uh, return to that topic later, uh, and, and it's not the main focus of, of this particular episode. Uh, according to Roger, Sauron tricked Celebrimbor into sharing ring lore. He was disguised as Anatar, Lord of Gifts. Isn't that ironic that he was disguised as the Lord of Gifts? Where, you know, he, he was a anything but the, the giving one. <laughs> He's more the taker. Uh the it, Lord of Sweet of, of sweet uh, Honey, I think. Um, having words sweet as honey and then um, when you give in, then you're trapped like a fly. Hmm. It's trapped. Interesting. Yes. And I just looked it up. You're right, Father Roderick. The, yeah. the one ring was created in the fires of Mount Doom. Okay. Yes. But the, the other rings were created in this area? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Like very cool. So this is uh, quite an ancient region then. Um, and, and was uh, like Rivendell, was that created in the Second Age or in the Third Age? That would, in the Second Age. Okay. So so Rivendell was created as a refuge. Yes. Uh, after, after the elves uh, left Holland. And so since the elves left, uh, there have been no more other settlements except for perhaps well the area of Moria where the dwarves went to mine but that's kind of inside the mountains yeah no more permanent settlements that I know right. of it's beautiful though it's a uh, and in the meantime uh, of course uh, it's now daytime and uh, it's a slightly cloudy day uh, but I can still see some sunlight <laughs> in the sky and so the the Sun is this other fruit the fruit of Laurelin and I think in, in uh, the cos cosmology of Tolkien, uh, the sun is female and the moon is male, right? Yes, it's the other way around in our mythology. Yeah, it's, in it's interesting. Um, and the uh, I'm actually where we're heading uh, south, um, traveling towards uh, Echad Eregion. Eregion, yeah. And I think that's that too is a very small settlement, uh, and I have to try to not stray too far from the path because even though this is a, a an abandoned area that looks quite lovely, there are still some creatures here that uh, could could harm us. Here. There's some walking, uh, trees. walking trees indeed, yeah, and some don't make the trees mad. Some some wood trolls. Now speaking of of, of walking trees, th these walking trees are not the ends, but uh, I learned that uh, the um, 
what's her name again? Yava, yeah, Yahala, <laughs> the Yavana. Uh, Yavana. Uh, she was also she also created the ends because when her husband created the dwarves, she was uh, she was concerned for the trees. Uh, probably because I don't know there might have been some destructive nature in these dwarves with their axes and everything and so she created the ends basically as a, a protection for the for the other trees which I thought was very interesting or she sang them into being it's uh... now the interesting question that I have of course is uh, are these ends real creatures so she sang them into being but do, do ends have a soul or are they more on the animal side of things? Because if if she, if the ends are are kind of on the same level as dwarves or or man, then you could say that she's basically doing the same thing that her husband did, without actually yeah. having you know the uh, the authority to do so, and that is to create kind of self-aware sentient sentient beings. But I don't know. For but the ends, they are not considered to be a separate race, like race of men. Race of hobbits, race of dwarves. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not clear really what the Ents are. You know, whether they're, whether they're more like the eagles, you know, that are just sentient. They're sentient, but they're not the children of Iluvatar. Um, I, I'm a little rusty on that part, but I do believe the Ents may have been part of the original music of the Ainur that was sort of the describe the creation of of arda um but the dwarves weren't so i think that's true i yeah. think uh the, yeah the dwarves may have had more hand in in making the uh, ends than yes. he did with the dwarves so the, the, the ends were part of the plan and the dwarves weren't well or that's perhaps basically. perhaps uh, the the ends were the creation of the ends kind of fitted the the plan of uh, iluvatar whereas of course, with the dwarves, yeah. they were created outside of the knowledge of Iluvatar and without his his permission. And it was only later on that uh, that they were given a, a soul, um, basically because well, Iluvatar rec recognized that, that there were no real evil intentions there. It was just a little bit uh, an overexcited Valar who created them, but uh, <laughs> nothing too serious. And actually, I uh, I think I've talked about the whole dwarven backstory in, in one of the early episodes yes. of uh, The Secrets of Middle-earth. Um, but I, I read something that, which I had forgotten about, and that is that at one point, when Iluvatar discovers the existence of the dwarves, and this is before the elves were, uh, were created, which were supposed to be the first children of Iluvatar, um, the... Uh, now, what's his name again? Who created the, uh, the dwarves? Ale. Ale. Uh, he was so repentant and so sorry for what he did that he actually took a big hammer and uh, <laughs> and wanted to kill the seven, like the ancient dwarves, and yes, and so he smashed and 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 it was through the force of that first blow that the dwarves actually shrank, literally, physically, <laughs> which would explain uh. their small, their diminutive size. So originally the dwarves were actually kind of normal size. <laughs> Yeah, and, and there's a really interesting parallel there. If you think of uh, Aule sacrificing these these dwarfs uh, to Eru because he feels like he's been wronged, mm -hmm. it's almost like sacrificing his children. And yeah. it's, it's it's got a lot of similarities to the story of Abraham and Isaac yeah, in the Bible. I had to think about that too. Uh. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, and it's basically an acknowledgement of the fact that you are not actually uh, the creator of life, and someone else is in control of life and death. Mm. Uh, but, and and then there's also, I think, when, when he wants to uh, smash the dwarves again, I think it's Iluvatar who kind of uh, yes. grabs his hand or grabs his arm and says, no, that's okay, you know, I've already given them a soul. Proof is these dwarves are afraid of you, and so it shows that they are now sentient beings. So I've already kind of given them true life. And then at that point... Uh, they decide to kind of uh, let leave the dwarves dormant, so that the elves can be created first, and then the dwarves are awakened again. Yes. Mm -hmm. Of yep. course, which, which also is uh, again uh, going back to the topic of cosmology. You wonder if the dwarves were created under the original sky and the original lamps, or whether they were also created under the stars. I think they were created at the time of the lamps but then they slept yes um, 
They, the seven fathers of the dwarves slept until the elves came about. And then so. perhaps their their love of the 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 mountains and the you know the, to go underground is is kind of linked to that long long winter sleep that they that they had mm-hmm. for so many yeah. uh, centuries. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and and of course in their in their in Moria, for instance, they use lamps literally to light the the these these caverns and everything. They use these crystals uh, to that are kind of radiating this uh, this light. To uh, to to create some uh, some light because of course you cannot keep a fire burning for for all those centuries and uh, mm-hmm. so there might there there too might be a little bit of a uh, almost a, a, an ancient mythological reference to the the cosmology at the time of the creation of the dwarves but I'm I'm just speculating here. Well, and they they just they feel comfortable in the earth, you know they feel comfortable being underground. As you probably know, since you are a dwarf. I'm right now. I'm uh, currently <laughs> right in Middle Earth. I'm a dwarf. Yes, I have various ways of so being in Middle Earth. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and the other thing about uh, where we are now, Eregion, is it's it's very close to Moria. So we're getting uh, we're getting closer all the time. Yes. It, it's not too far away. And we're actually uh, following kind of the itinerary that Frodo and his uh, companions uh, took when they went to Moria. And, uh, mm-hmm. and when they were for- forced into Moria, they, they didn't want to go there at first. Sure. Yeah, well, they, yes, yeah. they were chased, and uh, it, they went over the Red Horn Pass, but uh, it the, was the too dangerous. Let them wouldn't let them go. The the snow, yeah. the snow came, and uh, they, they were there. just weren't able to go over over the pass that way. So which, they retreated which, and had to go to Moria. Which kind of gives me this idea: we we still have time. We could try and do the same and explore the Red Horn Pass first and then uh, see if we can find the entrance to Moria. Would that be an sure. idea? And yeah. then in the meantime, while traveling, we can we can continue our talk about the cosmology. Because yeah, it's I still... A question, uh, so yeah, I, sure. Then, we have, then maybe Laura can answer it. Okay, well, let's first head towards the, uh, the east and try to find that Red Horn Pass and see if the weather is still as abysmal as it was uh, at the time that Frodo and his companions tried to travel the, the pass. But go ahead, Inga. What was your so, question? Yeah, I was, uh, you were talking about the seven dwarf fathers, and then you have the Falas Shirkas, but that's the, what we call Orion. Of, no, not Orion, the, oh, the polar the big the, dipper. The, the, the big dipper. Yeah. And that's also seven stars. That's the seven sisters, right? Or is that the, uh, the, uh, the Remirath? But the, the number seven re, uh, um, pops up over and over again. Is there a special significance to that? Well, yeah, the seven Palantir, um, the seven fathers of the dwarves, the seven stars, um, and I th- and I think also um, the star symbol of the dwarves is it the crown of Doran? That's also seven stars. Uh, yeah, the number seven is is very important. I've I've never really looked at the the numerology in Tolkien, but um, but it is is meant to be a, a significant number. You know, and in biblical terms, the number seven is is important, isn't it, Father? It's a symbol of fullness. Uh, I mean, a, a week has seven seven days, and so it's it's kind of a symbolic for you know that that's seven seven is is everything. Um, so I guess the seven dwarfs. I don't know. It might it's like the number twelve, uh, which is also a very recurrent number in the in biblical stories. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose that Tolkien just took the same uh, uh, the same approach to at least the number seven, as in biblical stories. And I've, I'm a bit lost because I got kicked off my horse by a, a wolf. Oh! And so should uh, I come back and rescue? No, it's okay. I'm I'm looking at the map here. It's just a bit confusing. <laughs> I just see go these east. Weird goats here, uh, but they seem to. Do you be... see my green? Do you see the green arrow? I'm I'm heading towards you. Don't worry. Okay. I, I am getting a little these... worried. It's 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 uh, pretty dangerous out here. Oh, but I'm a tough dwarf. I'm uh, what is called a <laughs> rune master. So every once in a while, you you hear these electrical sound effects. That is basically some kind of electrical current that I can use to uh, <laughs> to scare away nasty electric, animals. Electric, electrically charged stones. Yeah, it's probably like if you you know you you. Uh, 
on Earth, not in Middle Earth, if you've uh, driven a car and, and you have a woolen sweater and you, you touch the side of the car, you get this electrical current. I guess it's kind of similar. This must be the Middle Earth version of static electricity. <laughs> and so I'm here um, at the foot of a, of a hill. Um, you need to go a little bit south and then go east. So over the hill. Oh, but you... Uh, the both of you are south of me, but I'm actually on the path itself. Is there a, is there a safer way up the up the hill? Yeah, because you don't go over. The, don't use the path because because you have you'll uh, run into orcs. Okay. So but go south. The orcs. Um, and this is another interesting element of the cosmology of of Tolkien. All the creatures that are influenced by the forces of evil. Um, uh, originally Morgoth and later Sauron. So the corrupted uh, creatures are all, you know, they, they hate daylight. They hate the sun. Yeah. And uh, they tend to stay in places where there's no sun, like the orcs. They've got their holes in the ground and they only come out at night uh, as, as much as possible, although sometimes they have to get out. And then you've got the trolls, uh, and, and they do... Oh, there's another wolf or warg that is attacking me. Uh-oh. Now, where are you guys? I can see you on the map, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm right behind you. Okay. I'm, I'm following uh, you. I, I see you. So, show me the way, uh, because okay. I don't... I have never tried to get to the Red Horn Pass from this side of the mountain. But, um, yeah, the, so the, the, the trolls the... cannot go outside, basically, because they turned into stone, like we've seen, literally in our last episode, except for uh, some specific type of troll that was developed later on. And then, of course, the the Uruguay also travel by daylight. They don't seem to be bothered much by the by sunlight. Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, evil things tend to shun the sunlight. Um, the the uh, goblins, the orcs, they, they all hate the sun. They oh. hate the moon as well. Yeah. Yes. Well, Especially and both both of them are both of them are sources of light. Yes, but it's interesting that that Gollum talks about both the moon and the sun, uh, but he has got very friendly names for them. Uh, yeah, the, the white face and the yellow face. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's this, yeah. So he he but apparently when he looks into the sun, he sees a he sees a lot of you know he sees a face <laughs> and. Uh, but he, but he curses them. He doesn't he doesn't like them. No. Yeah, but it's so. almost childlike because, of course, when a, when, is, a, when a kid yeah. draws a picture of the sun, it's usually with a smiley face in it, and uh, for similar for the moon. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, there's even an explanation in some of these stories in Middle Earth for the spots, the darker spots on the moon, uh, and 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 also uh, uh, an explanation for some of the areas in Middle Earth that are almost desert-like, so according to... Uh, wow, we're getting some snow here. Well, so the, the this is snow that is supposed to be on top of the mountain. Okay, where but... We are now riding up an avalanche. Oh, okay. So apparently something happened here. Or is this... Is it an avalanche? Or, or is this it is a... an avalanche, yeah. Okay. It certainly and looks like an, an avalanche. And there's some, some yeah. snow trolls standing here. Snow yeah, beasts, so we have to be... Snow gorilla, snow beasts. Careful, yeah, they look almost ape-like. Or yeti-like. <laughs> and you've got these strange lights that are always there in yeah, the Yeah, they the are snow. ancient evil. Are they so they are kind of spirits, evil spirits. Uh, called spirits. Oh, interesting. So they're more akin to, to whites than to natural phenomena? Uh, uh, whites are, are really the dead. And this is really evil, so oh. yeah, uh, kind of uh, evil incorporate, you know. So in, in a uh, in a physical form. Wow! So this this uh, pass is extremely steep, yeah. and it's getting really cold here, and I, I can't seem to get well, any further here. Uh, you can go uh, a little bit bit up, but yeah. we have to dodge the the, the grims. That's how they are called. The Grims are those those uh, those uh, here. bluish uh, things, and yeah. we actually can find a camp where where they have camped before they have to, were forced to uh, to go back. You mean Frodo, right? Yep. Yeah. Oops. Oh, wait a second! Careful there for that snow beast because <laughs> it's throwing rocks oh. at you. And oh. I, oh, here's a pass. Here's a here's a road actually. Yeah. 
Oops. Oh, wow. Are you okay? Yes. <laughs> They're pretty aggressive. I'm, I'm very good at falling off stuff things. So, I, hope, uh, I hope you're wearing a helmet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, we're going up and up and up, and it's getting really... So you go up, and then I'll take care of the, uh, the beasts. So. Okay, I'm just... Let's take a look. There's a lot of wind and a lot of snow around us, so we're really high up here. I can just barely make out some of the uh, uh, trees, of the green trees down below, but I can't even see the the road uh, which we took to get here. And uh, Yeah, it's just a blizzard up here. Oh, yeah. And there's an unfortunate person right here. Oh, yeah. Or a dwarf, I think, perhaps. Looks like a dwarf. Let's see. Yeah, he's... Uh, Lying uh, in the snow, yeah, I think he uh, he got probably killed by one of those snow beasts. Or by the cold. Yeah, he forgot his winter coat. Sure <laughs> did. <laughs> so, but we're not even so, close to the top of this mountain here in front of no. us. I can barely see the silhouette of the of the, of the mountain. Uh, no, and if you notice, as we came up the path, it was pretty clear. But once we got above a certain level, this blizzard started. Yes. Oh. Uh, you know, evidently the mountain doesn't really like people going up, uh, yes. up high. The, the, the mountain seems to be angry. Hmm. But in the in um, the Lord of the Rings, wasn't it Saruman who was actually manipulating the weather to block the advancement of the of the Fellowship? He's seen well, on the on top of his uh, of his tower there, kind of uh, using all you know, sorts of spells. That's true in the movie, but it's not in the book. It's not clear who's okay. doing it. It could be just the mountain, hmm. or they also talk about Sauron, per perhaps having a hand in it. But at the time, uh, at the time, they weren't thinking about Saruman. He no. may have had something to do with it. It's, inter it's an interesting idea that he he might have been involved here. But I, I kind of like that uh, <laughs> that theory. Anyway, the I'm blocked. I don't seem to be able to get any further yeah you can uh, go a little bit where i am just this, this way i have to see where you are oh well, i think she's where we just were okay so where the uh frozen dwarf is oh there you are yeah well you i think you, you could uh could go a little bit down there's a path down that leads to the camp where uh, frodo and uh Oh well, let's friends try. Let's, were... let's try to find that. So that's that's. Is that this way? Well, I think or... you go. You need to go here, and then it's, at one point it's, it it slopes down. Okay. I... Oh yeah, it's a little further back. Okay, I'm just heading towards you again. I'm. <laughs> it's, it's really dangerous here because if you take dangerous. a wrong turn, there is like uh, this chasm on my right hand side. <laughs> I don't think I'll survive the drop. Oh. I'm sturdy yeah. as a dwarf, but not that sturdy. My computer sturdy. doesn't like the snowstorm, so I'm very slow. So mm, okay. Don't oh, hurt me. Oh well, we <laughs> there are a lot of these uh, yeah. uh, lights standing in yeah, front of us. But they won't hurt you. Is that so? They'll leave us alone. Yes. Ooh. You hear that? That looks really menacing. So there is a campfire. And we're surrounded by these, uh, by these Grimms. But yes, they do seem to respect us, or at least they leave us alone. And I'm right here in the, in the center, there's this campfire. So this is where Frodo... Yeah, where the Fellowship uh, tried to uh, ride out the storm. Where they took a break. Well... I suggest that we go down again because I don't like it here. It's it's cold. It's it's very perilous. Yeah, let's it's a try to. Intimidating too. It, with it all is. These grims around. <laughs> that noise. Let's try to not fall off the cliff here and uh, and hack, head back uh, down to the area where hopefully we can find the entrance to Moria. Because I'd love to see that. That is near some kind of a lake, isn't it? The entrance yeah, to Yeah, don't 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 uh, jump into the lake because that you know there's something in there. Yeah, there's these these tentacled monsters living in the lake. Yeah, the watcher in the water, the big octopus-like thing. Is is the there. watcher actually literally a watcher, uh, like a creature that was put into place to prevent people from entering Moria? 
Because uh, that seems it, it to be the function. Does that. In the story, narratively, it, it, it has... It, it's kind of this... Uh, um, the archetype of the, of literally of the the, the guard basically that uh, uh, blocks the way to the, to the next level in your story or the next part of your itinerary. Yeah, except he was a little late. He they got in, but then he blocked the way out. That's true. So, yeah. yeah. So there's no way back. <laughs> well, so maybe they were meant to go in there, but he just didn't want them coming back hmm. out. Well, he seems to be very eager to uh, get some. Some dwarves for uh, for lunch. <laughs> it's quite a. And Frodo, yeah, he gets <sighs> he uh, of all the company, he he gets Frodo, which uh, which Gandalf thinks is interesting, but doesn't comment on it any further. Hmm. Maybe he senses the ring or something because it's. That could be. Yeah, that could very well be. He senses that. So we're heading... to avoid some of these orcs here. We're heading down the hill, and uh, fortunately, we're we're back in this in the in the sunshine here. Oh, I don't think my horse liked that fall. <laughs> There's some half-orcs walking around here. Uh, are those, like, a mix between man and orcs? Or uh, do, do we know the half-orcs from Tolkien's own stories? Uh, the half-orcs would be something that Saruman created. Hmm. Because the... Uh, um, they say he took uh, he took um, men and made them with orcs. Right. So, yikes. Yeah. The yikes is right. <laughs> prototypical uh, genetic experiments. I don't, experimentation. I don't know about it. <laughs> Very creepy. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. The 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 <laughs> the biological side of things. Yeah. Let's let's. Try not, not to visualize anything let's there. Th let's think about something. <laughs> this is a family show, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm back on the path, but of course now uh, again uh, surrounded by very aggressive wolves and wargs and birds of prey. So hopefully I'll be able to uh, to make it up the hill. And I can even see some banners here with a the white hand on it. Which was, I think, the... Uh, wasn't that the, the symbol of Saruman? Yeah. Yes, the, it was. The white hand. Mm -hmm. So these half orcs clearly uh, bear the logo of their maker. <laughs> wow. And you know, in a way, it's it's interesting to see that um, Saruman in it, it, it being kind of this co-creator in a way, because he, he creates these creatures by combining them and everything. Uh, he he does nothing positive. His his creations, his his creatures are all. Corrupted and uh, and and only you know, leading to destruction. So there's no real mm -hmm. beauty. It's all there's no harmony in in what he creates. Yes, that's true. Okay, I, I have hear. no idea where I am, but uh, I see another big wolf here. <laughs> and my spider senses, or these these electrical senses, are all tingling, probably. Indicating that there's a lot of danger ahead, <laughs> so I hope that we can get to the Moria. Uh, yeah, but Moria is more to the south. You're going north. Hmm. Are you on north? Let's see. Oh gosh, this is very, very dangerous. <laughs> it's kind of difficult to focus on uh, on the. Oh wait a minute! I think I'm totally lost. What am I doing here? I'm actually uh -oh. he heading towards the. Uh oh. That's why oh, it's yeah, so dangerous that's, that's here. That's I'm a very good area for you to be. Oh yeah, I'm totally not in the right area. Oh gosh. I thought I was heading towards Moria, but I'm actually again uh, more going in the direction of the Red Pass. Ah, <laughs> oh, so evil. I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest standing in one place for any. Anyone no, no, no. I'm, I'm just trying to <laughs> keep move, moving, but keep moving. Oh, Run. <laughs> it's actually either ah, now I break my yeah, ankle run again. As, run as fast as your little dwarf legs can carry you there. <sighs> Why am I a dwarf? <laughs> because dwarfs were sturdy, right? Yes, That's they right. are. Well, I just fell off a cliff and I'm still walking, but uh, <laughs> they're not fast. So, um, is there anything else we can add to our discussion about the um, Tolkien's cosmology? So we know that uh, 
we've got all these kind of onion-like uh, uh, layers in 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 the universe. So there's the world of of Iluvatar, which is kind of beyond time and space, and then you've got the void, and then within that you've got the area of the of Ea. the universe, the Ea. Ea. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, the uh, the word Ea in in Quenia means to be. Um, and so Ea is the word where the world that is distinguished from the world that is not. And apparently when Iluvatar created the universe, he did that by just saying one word and that is be. And then everything existed. Yeah. Which On is another note, Father, can I have trivia? You need to turn around because you're going towards the past again. Okay. So. <laughs> Uh, a dwarf yes, that doesn't right. know his way to Moria. I've never. <laughs> well, it's been a long time. <laughs> and the wind puts the beard in front of my eyes, so I can't tell where I am. <sighs> you elves. These elves are always making fun of me. I hate you guys. <laughs> That's my well, job. Yeah. I, ma- I make fun of d- dwarves because I'm an elf. That's just, I cannot help it. Yes. Yes. Uh, what is it that Thingol, Thingol, who was uh, the king of uh, Doriath in the first age, he called them uncouth, foul and uncouth, I think it was, he said about the dwarves. So that's that's the beginning of the whole hatred between the elves and the dwarves. We dwarves are so misunderstood. Well, and the rivalry, of course, probably also stems from this, uh, well, the, the, the fact that the dwarves were not meant to be the first creatures. And so there's a little bit of rivalry between uh, the mm-hmm. the children of Iluvatar and uh, and the dwarves. That doesn't seem to be much rivalry between the dwarves and and man, right? Probably because they're quite similar. <laughs> yeah, um, not not as much as with the elves and the dwarves. Uh, the elves and the dwarves are just so different that it's just really hard for them t- to get along. I like how Tolkien just yeah uses that in in, uh, in Lord of the Rings with all the, the bickering between Gimli and Legolas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's symbolic uh, for the the, <laughs> the the opposition between the two races. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like an ancient feud that is finally settled with their friendship. Oh, look at that! Look at this! Oh, wait a second! I I'm gonna kill this wolf because there's something here that I wanna I wanna see. This is a white hand ravager. There you go. Now we can Got him. we can look around. Thank you so much. You elves are very loud, actually. <laughs> All the yelling. Um, I'm, I'm looking at some yeah. some great statues here in the middle of nowhere. This this area of Erigian seems to be a bit more barren, but here in front of me is this beautiful statue of what looks like a warrior in long robes and uh, a shield in in its right hand. Is this is this an elf or is this? Uh, who could this Looks be? Looks like an elf. He, he has this, uh, yeah, had a jewel in, uh, on his forehead. It's like a crown or something like that. He's missing uh, his left arm, hmm. but that's probably I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who this is. Calibrimbor, maybe, or. Looks like a very fierce, got... fierce warrior, though. But the he has rest something of... on his forehead. The rest of the runes. Or there are just a few remains here. There's a pillar here. These look definitely like elven runes. So I just assume that this is this statue is also an, uh, elf. an elven yeah. statue. Let's see. There's some markings on this pillar up there. Let me see. Oh, I'm too small. I can't really <laughs> tell. I'm looking up, but I'm I'm so small that I can can't even recognize what's in the carvings there. I guess it's just ornamentation. There's no no symbols there. Now these, uh, the, what was again? What was the reason that the elves had to leave this this area? Well, after uh, Celebrimbor created the the rings of power, and then Sauron created his one ring, uh, he didn't have any reason to be friends with the elves anymore. He mm-hmm. didn't have any reason to maintain his disguise. So he attacked them, trying to trying to get the rings, and uh, so the elves the elves uh, did battle. And fled, and uh, and the elves that used to be in Eregion fled either to uh, to Rivendell or they went um, to uh, Linden, where Círdan the shipwright has his 
uh, has his community, mm -hmm. and uh, Gilgalad was the king at the time. Right. So most of these settlements here, the elven settlements, were were destroyed. Yes. In the war, it's a, it's a it's a pity because it, you can you can tell that it was once very beautiful. Now I think we're we're coming up to the entrance to the Moria area. Um, this is uh, Echat Dunan. Dunan. And we're and the river here on the, on the right, or actually it's I don't think there's much of the river left, guys. It's a dry riverbed. It's called the the Nan Serenum. Ser the Nan Serenum. Well, remember the. Uh the river was dammed to create that pool in front of the gates of Moria that Is hadn't that been so? there the last time when they were there. Yeah, oh, it had been dammed up. That's so that's why, why it's just a trickle. Yeah, there's a, there's just a little pool there in the down below, and there's a danger dangerous uh, warg roaming around there. So I'm not going to go any further. And then yes, on the left, it's all blocked by rock, and so that creates that lake in front of the. In front of the, yeah, the, the entrance. I, I think that um, How cool. the, the, the river uh, has a source in the mountains. So it streams down and it has, now mm. it blocks. So. Fascinating. And that's probably also why the rest of the area is, is, is quite dry. Uh, there, there's, this, this whole riverbed is, 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 you know, it, there's just nothing there. It's, uh, hmm. Now, we're, we're um, standing in front of a... A big, beautiful gate. This one is still intact. At least the the the, the arc is 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 still there. Um, and it's called the what was it? The um, the gate. The walls of, of the walls of Moria. No, the walls of Moria are are, um, are are ahead. Are beyond this. I think this is some some kind of a temporary gate here. But well, the area around it is called Walls of Moria. So. If you go, if you, if you enter the gate, yes, the area up behind it is called Walls Moria. Well, but I guess, I guess the walls refer to um, basically the mountains that surround that 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 area with the lake and everything. Mm -hmm. But I'm not able to to enter here. I guess I uh, I still have to perform. Some we will reclaim the lost halls of Kazadu. You have to show your worthy, you even though you're a dwarf. You still have to show you're worthy to go into Moria. I guess, <laughs> and I'm still a stranger to this dwarf. Oh, now I now I'm able to enter. I think I just had to talk to this dwarf, and then they, uh, he he let me through. Ooh, it's it's a lot quieter here. I'm gonna call my horse again. Are you able to follow me? Uh, probably not. Oh, yes, we're not. Really? You're you're in a little different place than we are. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna move ahead and just take a quick peek at this lake, and then what I suggest is that next time we go here together and we try to get into Moria. I'm I'm really curious to see what's uh, what's beyond that that those walls of Moria. Um, but for now, at the end of this uh, this episode, I'll just quickly ride up the. The mountain here. It's time for us to wrap things up anyway. Ooh, I hear flies or mosquitoes. <laughs> I hope I did wash my beard. <laughs> <laughs> well, we weren't going to say anything, but. Ah, you elves. Our, our elven nor noses were up in the air. <laughs> Actually, I think that is true, isn't it? That elves can smell. Dwarves and they have a heightened sense of smell, and so to them, dwarves have this very repulsive smell. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Wow. We, are, we are just charitable, so we don't say any anything about it. Well, thank you so much. You don't want to hurt my dwarven feelings here. <laughs> That's right. Ah, oh, I can see the uh, the walls of Moria rising up in front of me, and there's also a big staircase that leads up. And I guess that uh, these mountains here... That used here to be a waterfall. The, the staircase. The stairs? Really? Next, well, next to the stairs, there's this wall. Oh, yeah. And that, that's, that's where the river used to be a waterfall. You're right. You're right, because I can see the green moss on, the, on, the, on that part of the, of the mountain. And it, indeed, I, if, I, if I imagine water, then it's, it's totally the shape of a waterfall. So what happens if I go up the... Up the stairs. Do I get to the then lake? You, then you get you go to the lake, but you cannot cross it because there's ugly creature inside it. So I would try that. But I'm Do just going up the stairs anyway, so I can at least 
scout the area and know where we where we will take off uh, in our next episode. I'm, I'm pursued by these flies. I think I do need to wash my beard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here it is. Look at that. Oh, there's this green pool in front of me. It's 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 actually quite ugly. Um, and then on the other side, in the distance, um, I cannot really see any entrance, but there there seems to be a path on the other side. So, uh, and no sign of the of any creature uh, here. But uh, I will not take a swim to find out whether the creature is there or not. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, at least I know what we're going to do next time. Um, I want to thank our, our listeners for uh, following us uh, in, in this area, even though uh, they were in the company of two very elegant elves and then this one stinky dwarf. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our discussion about the cosmology. I'm sure that there's a lot more that we can uh, that we could tell you about the cos- cosmology and um, well we, we might actually return to this topic uh, in one of our future episodes who knows but anyway next time we're going into the mines of Moria and uh, and then at least we'll be in my area <laughs> and you will see how great the dwarves are can I do a quick shout out go ahead if you're playing the game and you like to join us then you can go to the Elendomail server the US server and if you don't have a kinship, you can join our SQPN kinship. It's yes. Elena uh, Effedit. Well, it currently has a strange name. I might rename it, actually. What I would just want to... Uh, uh, I want to invite people to go to our website. And that's where we will yeah. post the information on where we uh, are playing this game. And where you can find us in, in this virtual version of, of Middle-Earth. And our website is middleearth.sqpn.com. So that's middleearth.sqpn.com. That's also where we store and archive all our previous episodes and future ones and you can also find us in iTunes just look for Secrets of Middle Earth there's only one show called like that and if you are in iTunes and you have a little bit of time and you like this show we would invite you to leave a review and or just give the show a rating um, that always helps other people discover uh, that we're here and that this show is out there so thanks for listening thanks to Inge and Laura for accompanying me and helping me not get completely and utterly lost because this has been the worst journey so far I think in Middle Earth I've never been so lost before and Roger calls me uh, Roderick the Directionless hmm I'm not (laughs) sure if that's an official title but uh, oh well (laughs) at least I have a beard uh, so thanks for thanks for following us and we will see you next time on the secrets of middle earth and uh till then may the hair on your feet grow ever what was it again what the hobbits say to each other may the hair on your feet longer. grow ever longer and never fall out or something like that <laughs> I, I thought that's what the dwarves said about their beards but maybe that's what the hobbits say about their feet oh, well. too i'm sure that there's a dwarven equivalent to it <laughs> <laughs> We'll look it up. And we'll just wait for Bilbo to say goodbye. And then we'll wrap this thing up. Because Bilbo is always... Always near. I regret to announce this is the end. I'm going now. I bid you all a very fond farewell. And it's